Hello everyone, I'm Lee UHF and on our very first episode today we have invited Eska all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico in the US of A. Eska's got a brand new release with us, the Mechanisms EP on Dirtbox Recordings and we're going to have a chat today about that release and also what he's been up to and how he got about getting into this, all the production, all the drum and bass and music. Brett, how you doing mate? You good? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on, mate. I'm uh, quite aware that it's eating into your Friday afternoon with you being a few hours before us. So uh, you're not going to any gig tonight or anything like that? No, not tonight. No, just uh, working in the studio, being a hermit. <laughs> Getting ready for that new slamming EP coming out, no doubt. Yep. See the piano in the background as well. What's uh, what's this? Is this a tr is this something we're going to be hearing in a future Esca release? Um, probably not off that one. It's a it's a family piece, and it's actually uh, it's way out of tune. I think it's actually got a broken board inside of it too. But um, but yeah, probably not from there. Ah, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Just a family heirloom then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No worries. Okay, we'll get straight into it then, mate. Um, I wanted to first of all, you know, just kind of take it from the start. I looked at your profile and and your bio, and I know you started in drum and bass around the same time as I actually started raving and getting it into myself, which is 1996, wasn't it? Tell me a little bit about, obviously, that time and, and what got you into the rave scene and drum and bass as a whole. Okay. Um, well, I'm originally from uh, Minnesota in the USA, and basically, yeah, it was about 96, 97. Uh, it was an art trip. Um, we went up to Minneapolis about an hour or so away from where I lived and um, went up there for uh, like a field trip, an art trip or something like that. And, uh, you know, during they give us some time to go run around and check out shops and stuff like that. And there was, you know, we knew of one that had some different music in there. And so we just go in there and I found, a, you know, I picked some stuff out that sounded cool and bring it back. And, um, you know, that's how I guess I discovered uh, like jungle music is just, you know, random mix CDs, I guess, in uh in the store brought that back and yeah i really enjoyed it and just started trying to find more and trying to get up to minneapolis more and finding more and then uh at one point i just decided like this is just awesome and i wanted i want to get involved more and so at that point i decided i would start saving up and uh i ended up taking about a year or two and uh right off the bat just bought a technique 1200 and uh mc 505 drum machine and an sp202 all within like I don't know, like a couple months with each other and uh, just right off the bat, just started DJing and uh, um, and producing. My uh, my roommate at the time also actually bought a Technic 1200, so we had our pair and uh, I bought a mixer and that's where it started. Um, but yeah, from there, I just uh, got in, just started working on hardware basically right away off the bat. There was no really, I you know knew very few people that were producing and then out of those people, very few were actually using computers to do any type of music it because computers were not that no, common with yeah you know, so but yeah so that was kind of fun all that going through all that i guess and uh yeah that was pretty much the start of it and really i my first raves i ever went to i was actually booked at and played at so it's like i never i didn't really get into it as like as a raver or someone in the scene in that sense i guess i just came right off the bat just playing at some shows and just getting involved that way Excellent. And what were the, do you remember any of the shows that you, you played at back then? And this is still the late nineties as well, is it? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it would have been like late nineties up into two thousand. I would have still been in uh Minneapolis. There was I had some, you know, bookings in uh in actually Wisconsin at the time. There was like, I don't know if you've drop based network is kind of a big name around the Midwest. They throw a lot of shows, but we you know, we actually did a, a tent at Further and uh me and my friends and uh we got booked for a New Year's Eve party. It was like uh that, that was great too. Um yeah, but we were playing in Minneapolis quite a bit, and uh, but yeah, I just I kind of felt like I I wanted to see what was more what was out there, I guess, and what you know what the world had to offer. So uh, really, just around two thousand one, I moved to San Francisco and just kind of you know dove in head deep into that whole huge you know scene going there, and from there things just took off pretty well, I think, at that time for me. You mentioned San Francisco. Um one artist i know quite well who, who lived in that area for quite a long time was uh dj cloud skipper now mm. unfortunately he passed away last year rest in peace and uh yeah. i have i'm sure i've seen him on a flyer with you as well one uh on your escapades and and was that around the time you you moved to san francisco was it or was that for another event no yeah that would have been when i was living there he was uh he was he was close friends with a lot of my close friends so he's kind of like in the same circle but he was you know he was a really big name out there and everywhere and yeah he was a really nice guy and yeah he was yeah really cool so yeah just just for the people who are obviously watching cloud skipper is is quite a popular rave dj played hardcore or happy hardcore and things like that back in the day and he did cross over to drum and bass and breakbeat and things like that as well so unfortunately passed away last year uh but yeah he was quite a well-respected uh us dj and producer weren't he for quite so many years across loads of genres really yeah drum and bass too yeah. okay and uh you you had a different moniker as well didn't you um in the early days it wasn't always eska was it yeah i've 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 switched around quite a bit through through my time like i originally i originally in like around 99 when i actually started djing i i started as sharp lucky was my name and actually had gotten booked uh under that and then within about six months to a year i changed it to Azrael. Um, and then when I moved to San Francisco, that's when I actually changed it to Esker. But then I used to actually do it with like a dollar sign as the S. <laughs> so then, yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, at that point too, out in San Francisco, after a while, I you know met up with some you know some guys and we started a group and that was called Company Truck. Um, but then, yeah, eventually I moved out of the uh, San Francisco area back to the midwest and uh to around uh like toledo and actually that's where i started uh another moniker which was seeker which was uh mainly dubstep at the time i was around 2007 um but i was still doing drum and bass and actually releasing a little bit of drum and bass then too um but yeah and then actually around 2010 actually i i, I went to college i went back to college i got a you know got a four-year degree and um just basically turned the the rest of the world off for four years and only focused on you know school. Got that out of the way and then basically started working way my way back into music again and kind of resurfacing and basically refiguring out the world again as in the music aspect because things change so fast. I mean, if you kind of step out just for a little bit, I mean, you know, things could be drastically different so i mean as you know you know with the different formats we've gone through different through the years to you know push music to people and to you know share it with people so yeah yeah absolutely. yeah yeah 
Um, but then, yeah, that's when I, after I came back up, that's when I started using Esker again, uh, back after I got out of school. What does Esker mean? What, where did the name come from, Esker, then? So it's quite, I thought it was E-S-K-R, but it's not. It is Esker, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's it's that, and that's what people have kind of used more or less um, when I, after I made it. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's when it was intended. I mean, more or less, it really doesn't mean anything besides E-S-K-R plus an M or were, my, at the time, my four or five favorite letters. So I just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> move them around and you know to see what i came up with and really i came up with asker and i was like well i'll just leave the m off and and you know that's really that's really all it came from that's great i would never have thought that your favorite letters i didn't i didn't think people had favorite letters that's brilliant <laughs> i can't even think if i've got a favorite letter i don't know maybe Hello, M. <laughs> why that comes up to my head i i've got no idea but yeah fair play <laughs> <laughs> were, were a lot of your names kind of ba just based on things like, uh, like you said, you had Azrael. Azrael, is it? Yeah, yeah. That was like, um, it, it all came across somehow or another through my journey of life, you know, coming across words or whatever, trying to figure out what I should go by. But it's always such a pain in the butt, really, trying to like figure out like a, a name that no one in the world of like, you know, now 8 billion people that are using and that, you know, isn't on every platform, whether they're, um, you know, musician or a gamer or just whatever it is so it's like it's so hard to find anything you know name original anymore so it's like yeah it just well it was hard it was harder back then because obviously there wasn't as much content on the internet there was no beatport you know you didn't get discogs until like uh, early noughties so those kind of platforms now you could literally go on there now and you can check how many people have got that name whereas obviously coming yeah. up in the 90s it wasn't really possible to do that was it yeah for the first yeah the first couple of names that was kind of just something yeah came across at some point or another that i decided to use but yeah after a while it was just like yeah if you tried to make sure that you didn't use something someone else it was just like yeah. if you be conscious of it it's like wow this is hard so <laughs> So you mentioned a lot of uh, different styles of music that you've produced over the years, but drum and bass has always kind of been that constant for you, hasn't it? Yeah, I would say so for sure. Um, I, I would say when I first got started, you know, like, you know, tech step, you know, drum and bass or jungle and like actually breakcore. I was really heavily into breakcore at the time, too. So that was that was a big influence on my drum and bass. But yeah, I mean, I would always kind of stick around that same you know, 170, 170 to 174 to 175 type of thing. I mean, sure, I always experiment with, you know, going beyond that or whatever. But yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Was there any drum and bass artists in those early 90s? Now, not not the noughties will come to that, but in the early 90s that you aspired to, whose tracks you like, whose music you were listening to in that late 90s, who, who were the main guys you, you discovered originally? I mean obviously i mean like there was like you know just you know bad company or tech itch like all that was I, I you know i loved all that that was all great everything that was coming out but like something i would say like actually the sounds and this 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 everything that was coming out of like basically the california area 
was really uh, attractive to me, like my ears, I guess, because it was so unique and different, I guess, because they were all, it was different. It was drum and bass, but it was different. But I mean, you know, there was all sorts of people like, you know, from Hive, you know, to UFO, um, you know, a little bit later, Gridlock came into there, uh, he moved there, you know, so it was like, there's a lot of, and, and even, I mean, so many different people that, you know, are still around too, but um, yeah, it just, it was a, it was a definitely heavy influence. Like actually United States drum and bass was, was, I was really into that for say at the beginning, along with the, you know, break core and UK normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the US stuff, I mean, for me, the original stuff that I, I got into drum and bass fully around 2005 and what drew me to that actually had quite a big kind of US influence to it because it was Spore, Noisier, E1, Evil Intent, who the latter two were obviously US artists as well. Were you listening yep. to a lot of those guys coming to the noughties as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Uh, I was, yeah, definitely super into like, you know, Renegade Hardware into Barcode and just to anything those guys were on for sure. Yeah absolutely yeah that was a that was like a big thing for us actually knowing that there was great artists from the us as well and like you mentioned hive and gridlock and things like that as well so what oh. are the what other genres of music were you producing in and out of like i said drum and bass was the constant tell me a bit about the other stuff and did you have any releases under different names doing these other genres just go to a bit of that if you could sure um so i did have uh under when i yeah when i moved to toledo area it was uh i went under seeker and i had like i had uh, you know a lot of different releases uh with dubstep it kind of just took off right away i guess um so yeah i don't know if like shift recordings beta morph recordings abducted like you know you know abducted limited that's out yeah. now they actually have a label back in the day that was called abducted also abducted dub i believe but actually i had a release on there and uh so yeah i mean there was quite a few um but i kind of uh yeah i kind of at the time i i feel like i i wanted to you know get a little bit more out of my life at that point i guess and that's when i went to school and kind of just like just stopped that's when i just stopped the dubstep at all like completely and um and when i kind of got back into it i just have been sticking to drum and bass at this point um you know in the past i've done some different stuff like you know even a little bit of breaks but um and just some experimental weird stuff um but yeah okay excellent and did any any of these like dubstep things did you get anything that was considered you know played by a lot of people that ended up being a hit or was it just all an experiment really away from the drum and bass just to kind of feed that inspiration back to that i mean at the time it yeah i mean at the time it was doing good i got some bookings like um, you know, I got booked out. I was, when I was living out Toledo, I got booked back in San Francisco or in California and, uh, actually to New Mexico and like a couple other, other places. But I mean, things seemed to be perceived pretty good at the time, but I, I feel like, I feel like I came at it a little bit too experimental and stuff. And it was just like, I wasn't, I don't know how serious I was actually taken for me, like dubstep actually became kind of a, a little bit of a relief from trying to trying so hard at drum and bass and trying to figure that out for me. Dubstep was just kind of this different kind of release for me to kind of just create and make and, and people just ended up liking it. So, and labels picked it up and I'm like, okay, well that's, you know, that was great for me at the time. So it was a, it was a whirlwind, weren't it? Drum, not drum and bass. It was a whirlwind, the dubstep, wasn't it? For 
well like it's it really just set like obviously set off in a big way over here i mean it was always there like i said in you know the early noughties and stuff like that but when it took off with some of the harder stuff and you know it's it, it got some commercial hits and that it really just blew up and i think it kind of moved over to america as well and that's where it, it really took i mean dubstep's still absolutely massive in america isn't it at the minute yeah yeah and and the funny thing too is like i kind of stepped away like basically the exact same moment that it really started taking off so i mean i didn't i didn't really get to like you know benefit off of that and a lot of the people at the time i had been working with and stuff and i look at where they're at now and they've, they've really been successful and they're really doing well for themselves so it's really it's really good to see so um yeah it's cool yeah it's quite the opposite in the uk it's like dubstep it, it kind of hit like such a ridiculously big high crescendo in how big it was here and it just it's almost like it got too big and it and it burnt out and fizzled out and uh yeah it, it was quite a it was quite a categoric drop <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. it literally dropped off and and just suddenly within a year there was no dubstep raves like none none at wow. all there was none around it literally dropped off within like a summer do you know what i mean and the summer before it was the biggest sound it was it was quite spectacular to be honest and then obviously you see all those main artists that were from the uk um you only see them djing in the usa now it's, it's you know what i mean you never see yeah. any uk yeah it's crazy and obviously it blew up from there and obviously it's it's a big sound and obviously all the big festivals taking it on and uh well everybody started doing it didn't they in the usa it was it was the thing and then that that spawned all the excision stuff and things like that that's from a uk perspective anyway you know yeah and the end yeah, from my perspective that's when stuff really started taking off too yeah that excision sound and all that and um more of an aggressive sound i mean there was deeper dubstep too but like yeah that seemed to really take off at that time but yeah i've kind of kind of lost uh touch i guess what's really you know going on with it at this point though yeah same I, I i think even though that was really big here it was big for a short period of time and it feels as though that kind of sound killed it here quite a lot do you know what i mean so yeah. hey ho like i said uh on words and, and like i said drum and bass it's like house music in it it's always that constant i don't think it's it's ever died do you know what i mean it doesn't feel like it ever has it's it just always seems to be bigger and better every single year you know yeah 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 so we've obviously spoke about some of the aliases that you've had there and um i know you've you've kind of joined forces and, and made uh, a few groups as well so i want to touch on those a little bit because um how i came across you was uh your four-person group noise complaint and mm -hmm. for me i heard this release just randomly there was a release on on boom slang a couple of years ago and this is uh i believe i contacted the noise complaint page and this is where i ended up speaking to you mike at boomslang like geigen uh but i believe there's four of you in that group isn't there yep yep it's uh yep greg dave mike and me yep the four of us yeah so that's yeah i mean that's where obviously it came about well really signing this release just from mess basically i believe so tell me a bit about the group how did that literally come about uh all four of you are obviously producers that come together for that what makes noise so that i mean so basically noise complaint was a, a a thing before i actually joined them so i mean the way that it came about was 
um, actually uh, submitting demos to Boom Slang Recordings. Um, so I submitted those, and uh, basically um, Dave and Mike, uh, you know, heard them and they liked them, and they, uh, you know, wanted to sign them, and so they did. And I had some releases and stuff, and we just kind of hit it off. We were, you know, kind of the same age and all that, and kind of gone through a lot of like, you know, you and I have, you know, been through a lot of the same stuff, and so we were we all related well and eventually they uh you know they asked me if i would like to join and of course yeah and i said yes and so we've uh you know worked on you know the four of us have worked on a lot of tunes together and uh that's that's gone really well brilliant and uh, we might as well say it now as well there obviously is a, a noise complaint ep coming on dirtbox this year as well finally yep. <laughs> i've been sat on those tracks for a little bit of a while so thank you for being so patient with that but we're here finally getting those out as well but yeah um i know what you mean as well like mike at boom slang and yourself it, it, it there does seem like I say you know when you relate to someone and you get similarities even just talking through social media and i've had some good long chats with mike's and i found some very relatable things they're doing a really good job aren't they at boom slang i love what they're doing i love their work ethic yeah able so yeah it's good to uh, it's good to be involved with you guys doing that as well yeah it's been great absolutely what about your your other groups as well? So you mentioned Company Truck. Yeah, that was so, um, yeah, back when I was in San Francisco at the time, I had been, uh, you know, playing out quite a bit under Esker by myself. And, you know, I was producing tracks with, uh, um, at the time, basically uh, off and on with uh, uh, someone named Jason. And, you know, we, we started making tracks together. And then we kind of, you know, decided to basically form a group together with two other people we knew. And, we kind of just took where you know our platform that we were at and just kind of took that off and started putting out uh started putting out music and that's actually where i got my first uh vinyl sign is with those guys um so um yeah so that that worked out well that was around like 2004 to 2007 and pretty much after i i moved away that kind of uh that kind of just you know went away too i guess unfortunately but that's yeah uh, so n nothing really on the horizon with that with that group or then no. it's kind of defunct in a way yeah absolutely yeah fair no worries and we, we, we're speaking about obviously having a lot of similarities here you've obviously got background of working in record shops like myself as well i mean my yeah. I, I ran uh well i was a manager i didn't own a shop up in uh, sheffield in the uk called reflex records where were uh, where were your backgrounds in obviously vinyl pushing and things like that yeah so um back when i lived out in the san francisco area there was uh, a record well i'd say it was an online record shop and it was basically like a warehouse in emeryville which was you know actually inside of oakland which is on the other side of the bridge of san francisco but uh so they were just they were huge in house music um so that was like their really big thing that they're known for um but we carried everything um all across the board but i guess the 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 thing that kind of gave us the upper edge on things was the pricing on what we could price things uh basically almost like at cost because what we would do is we would order records from the uk all the main major distributors out there we would order like you know like boxes and boxes from each one and what we'd have them do is ship it all to a central place in europe and then from there that would get all the you know uh put on a pallet and all that and then ship to us 
And so that was my one of the guys that worked with. That was our main job of it. Is we'd go out to SFO, San Francisco Airport, twice a week, and we'd pick up these pallets of of records and basically bring them back and open them up and 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 put them into our system and bring them down to the warehouse and people put them up in the walls and then orders would come in, you know, and then they'd pull the orders and you know sell records. But uh, we were since we were able to bring that kind of bulk in, we would actually get them at the price that you know you would pay for them over there because you were making them um and so yeah it was it was a good thing but we were basically what was it 2003 the 2000 2002 2004 something like that we were basically the best like it was a wmc you familiar like yeah we, yeah but uh, yeah they would have the best retailer and all that and we were the best retailer up until like 2000 like for like three or four years in a row and then Bport came along and mp3s and just basically took over entirely took over the market at that point and you know like dance records eventually i mean they we started doing mp3s too but like it just you know we were just we were fully dedicated into vinyl i mean we were places were closing down and we'd buy their whole entire inventory and it eventually caught up to them i guess you know but just because vinyl it was uh it was the pioneer cdj 100 that's what that's what changed it all isn't it Came around in, I believe it was like the late nineties, but in the UK, a few DJs started picking those up around like two thousand three, and when came, it was just a steady, steady decline yeah. for for DJs and things like that. So, but did you uh, did you have many roles in the shop? I mean, apart from obviously traveling to the airport, what did, were you in the shop selling? Were you were you doing any distributing or anything like that? No. Well, so the 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 basically. I, we had, we had a, there was a massive warehouse and we had a bunch of different uh, offices and buildings inside the warehouse. And as we grew, we would knock a wall down, take over another, you know, thing like that. But the office I worked on was with, with a guy named Zach. And basically he was actually the buyer for uh, drum and bass. So <laughs> that, that was, that was a great time because, you know, we'd work with like ST holdings and uh, I, can't, I can't think of all the names, but there was like a, uh, uh, all the all the main you know old distributors and stuff that did vinyl um and alpha magic alpha magic for some drum and bass there, yeah yeah there's uh i can't think of it there's, there's a lot of them are still around but like but yeah but anyways they would send us white labels every week prior to the release you know that was free white labels and so we would get to split you know get to split those up between the him and i we were both in you know play drum and bass and like so basically my whole collection was pretty much only white labels for forever you know what i mean it was just because that's just how but yeah we'd have we'd have all the tracks ahead of time basically also so that was that was a great thing yeah. like on vinyl so yeah one of the big benefits obviously back then of working in a record shop is yeah the wire labels the distros would send you if you were a big seller and you bought a lot of copies of certain releases the distros would send you the white labels and the good thing there is the genres i was into myself the owner just didn't say anything they just let me just nab the white labels so yeah it was just full of that i think i think there was a few distributors i had that sent they used to send me too many records you know for free and uh i ended up giving about two thousand records away at one point just just when when i stopped collecting when i stopped out of the shop i ended up giving away there was too many records with that and that was like you know the hard trance and hard style from europe some of those distributors they used to they used to throw a lot of white labels at us because they were at least 10 15 records a week basically with us oh, yeah. do you still have your vinyl you still got it somewhere 
I do have, uh, yep, I, I have it. And actually, a lot of it is those white labels, but I have, yeah, a, a little bit. I actually, when I moved back from San Francisco to back to the Midwest at one point, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff because basically anything had to fit into like a, a minivan, basically. And so at that point, I had to let go of a lot of stuff. But luckily, I, I, I held on to some of it. So, you know. Yeah, it's the worst, isn't it? Moving house with vinyl. The, nobody, if, you, if you've if you never done it before, you, you won't understand this. <laughs> you, you need a removal van for your furniture and a removal van for your records. And that is the literal part of it, isn't it? It's, it's terrible. Yeah. I hate I hate moving house with records. I hate it. Absolutely hate yeah. it. So when did you finish? When did you finish the record shop then? What what year were you, uh, were you out of there? It was 2007 when I when I basically moved back to uh, the Midwest. So um, yeah, 2007 is when I uh, quit that job. let's talk about music then so we've got the ep on dirtbox recordings that's out now the mechanisms ep three track mechanism and my favorite time at this point as well which is it's doing crazy in my sets and things like that in fact it's inspired me to kind of buy and play more deeper sets as well if you get what i mean and because i'm used to playing a lot of tear out stuff all the time so it's yeah. really uh, took me in a bit of another direction which i'm loving at the minute but tell me about ep how long did it take to kind of come about with all these three tracks you know you pretty much sent all of these together and obviously a few others that will be coming out later on but uh yeah tell us what went into behind this how they came about how long it was to get them together things like that okay I would say, yeah, between the between that group of tracks, I would say it took a couple, you know, about two months. I would say to get them, uh, get through the get through them all. Um, and yeah, I think that that uh, that one that you had mentioned that that was actually kind of I had started buying other deeper stuff myself for DJing, and that was kind of like, I guess, somewhat of an influence from you know stuff I had been liking other people, like hearing other people playing, so or not playing but making, creating, so. Yeah, and that's kind of a sound I kind of want to keep exploring to a lot, you know, because I, I like aggressive stuff, and that's kind of my background more or less, I guess, as I've gone through time. But I do want to keep exploring into, you know, not necessarily as hard stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for me with the release, I I obviously was sat on them for a little while and trying to kind of catch up with some of the backlog that we had. But and when I generally do that, I try and keep the track fresh. So I've I've not been playing those tracks for a year do you know what i mean i definitely haven't as it got closer to the release and it was getting like you know uh, autumn last year like october i started throwing them in the sets and that's really when obviously i started properly falling in love with the tracks i always knew to the label and what we wanted to do but again like i said is when you actually play them out you see the reaction you you feel what that track goes with with other tracks it really set it apart from any of the other and said it does kind of cover three different styles throughout it doesn't it it's not just one style yeah. whole ep yeah I, I would say so too and it's like i uh, yeah I, I like that about it too it kind of gives a little bit of different different you know styles or you know flavors or whatever that you know that can happen i guess what what would you say your workflow is like when you're making a tune and take us like through your process a little bit 
So I would say like, I mean, kind of the best part usually is, you know, the, the creating of it, obviously, like actually getting to make it and come up with something new. And, and unfortunately that, that often seems to be like the shortest part too, because once that's done, it's more just the processing and making sure everything sounds good and just the mix downs and, you know, if there just becomes technical or sometimes that's fun and, you know, enjoyable, but like, I guess creating is, you know, definitely a lot more fun for me, but um, yeah, you know, it's usually, you know, just basically starting, just starting with drums and then going into the bass and then building elements around all that is tech. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll start my, uh, my, my beats and all that, my music. Um, yeah. Just trying to catch that magic then, isn't it really just playing around with sounds until something comes about. Yeah. And I, I mean, I find that it's like, it's things often sound like will sound good, but then I'm just like, let's, let's see if we can make it sound even better basically. And I keep kind of like that in the back of my head, like not just settling for something cause it sounds good, but like trying to push it to sound kind of great, I guess in my own mind. But so yeah, constantly trying to do that. Do you ever get any writer's block throughout the year? Did you, do you suffer with anything like that? No, I would say no. Like I just, I, yeah, I would say like, yeah, I just sit down and yeah, I, I don't have any issues with that really. I mean, it's like, I think, I think between the time of like actually getting, like I said, like the short amount of time you get to actually create and then going through the rest of the process, by the time I get done with the rest of the process, I really want to create again. And like, at that point I've like, I'm just ready to go. And so, yeah. How many tracks do you think you wrote last year in 2022 then? Let's see what your work rate is like. I, I, I don't, I think, I don't know. I mean, I would say, I mean, typically, I guess I, I, it's, I do about, a, I would say roughly a tune every two weeks or, mm. or maybe a little bit less possibly. So it's, a, it's about that. Since 2023 though, I've kind of, I've kind of slowed that down, taken some of that time and trying to like progress in like different ways and stuff. To, um, so I've, I've, I've kind of slowed, not, you know, maybe if I was going hundred percent before now, I'm just going like 75%. So. Is it all software based that you're doing? Have you got any hardware still from the old days or anything like that? I I just have like a, a little mini cord. I haven't used that in years and years and years. Um, all the hardware I had over the years, yeah, that's just been sold off. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't done the deep dive into it, but I don't have the money to do it either. But like a lot of people, get a lot of hardware and stuff like that, which is nice. But yeah, I'm not able to afford that at the moment. Yeah, so it's completely digital. Everything you're doing is digital yeah. then at the moment. Yeah. Yep. Fair yep. play. What what door are you using? Are you still using the same as what you always have? No, uh, actually, I switched that that was a yeah so basically in around uh when i moved out to albuquerque which would have been you know about three four four years ago or so i switched from cubase to ableton and at that point i really i felt like in cubase i kind of like you know i was using a probably a little bit older version but i kind of felt like i hit a wall and so i wanted to try something different and i tried ableton and it really was like really worked out well for me i think like in my mind and like like organizing things really helped and so it was it was a good jump for me but i mean throughout the years like you know i had mentioned you know started with hardware but i've I've used everything from you know reason to what is it like acid to like just fruity loops you know i've tried pretty much i would say everything throughout the years um and then finally settled on cubase for 
quite a while and then then ableton so you just kind of settle with that now you're good with ableton do all your yeah. mixed sounds in that as well yes yep So you took a bit of time out. You said obviously around 2014. I think you were you were doing your bachelor's of science just a little bit before that as well. Um, was it a long period of time you took away from music? And you know, were you getting the itch for that? How, how long were you? Yeah, that was yeah from about 2010 to 2014. I uh, basically completely well i completely shut the world out pretty much i mean I, I i disabled my facebook account for like over three years almost the whole four years and you know i was still working on music a little bit and actually at the time i started to experiment well in a little bit and, and dj and buy some like electro house at the time um you know and just still doing a little dubstep or drum and bass but nothing that i was sharing with anyone or actually trying to really you know complete or anything like that so i really stepped away i guess for about four years um i'd say and then and then as that ended and i you know got done with school i you know slowly tried to figure out what was going on and work my way back into the world oh fair play yeah it's kind of i mean you think about it then it probably was a lot easier to kind of do things like deactivate your social media than it is today it seems to have kind of got a a grasp on everything including businesses now isn't it and if you feel you kind of feel if you deactivate that and you're not promoting with that and you might miss something i you know i'd love to just deactivate my social media if i'm honest like but yeah it's kind of got me sewn into thinking i've got to be there with it and things now so i don't think right. i'll be able to do much of that are you do, you do you find that as well do you just kind of use it as a promotional tool for yourself now or yeah i mean it's, I, I i hate social media personally I, I don't like it at all but like i it's it's always i mean from bit back from myspace and all that i was you know doing music back then and you know it's always just been a, a tool for music for me for the most part i mean i i like seeing what other people are doing that's nice but sometimes it gets a little bit um, more than you know what i want to see i guess just like anyone i suppose but like but yeah I, I use it more of just it's just more of a tool for me and just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in the world trying to keep up with everyone else too because it's not you know it's not just about me so yeah absolutely i mean a lot of people say we couldn't do without it now because obviously it's kind of created these contacts with people around the world like me and you have obviously met through social music but at the end of the day you know i still knew about us drum and bass and things like that i didn't need social media so you know in in another way as well it, it probably we probably could do without it now and still you know still find a way to find these things out couldn't we yeah yeah i think i think it's good that people and i see it more and more you know people like expanding into other platforms and stuff like that and and trying to not rely so heavily just on one because that that does get ir irritating that everyone's <laughs> you know everyone's feeds are controlled by you know you know one company or something but like yeah i mean for me I, i've tried to been focusing more and on just like music sites for the most part like on youtube or just on soundcloud um you know and spotify stuff like that i've been just trying to focus on those more than than my you know social like facebook or instagram and stuff because i mean i'm not really that 
big of a social person and posting a lot about myself so it's not it doesn't really fit me so much i guess per se you know but yeah absolutely yeah but like i say it it is a good tool for the music so you know swings and roundabouts as they say over in the uk um okay so we we've talked a lot about some of the people you work with you've got these collaborations going is there anybody out there who we're going to see you working with this year or anybody you actually would love to be working with at some point drum and bass wise of course yeah um actually i have uh are you familiar with Pish Posh? Have you heard of him? Uh, I absolutely love Pish Posh. Again, from the E1, Evil yeah. in 10 Days, he was one of the... And, yeah. Yeah, he's actually even from even way before that. I mean, he was like, you know, he was he was putting records out when I first started to get into drum and bass. So, like, he's he's really been on it. Like, then the Burner Brothers, and probably heard of them too. But, yeah, they've, they're all from, like, that same kind of... Uh, long time ago um but yeah i've been uh, i have a release coming out with uh pish Bosch on the 27th of this month so that was really exciting to be able to work with him and actually he's got an album coming out and that's a, a or part of the sampler off of it and then we have a second track that will be on the album uh that will get released with that so that's pretty exciting um what label is that that is gonna be uh patrol the skies music that's oh, coming out on no that's great he, he seemed to have disappeared for quite a while and like i said i've seen his name pop up a few times i think there was a a couple of remixes of some of his old tracks as well that recently come out that's when obviously yeah. uh i noticed he was back yep 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 so he's got yep he's got a whole album coming out excellent is anybody you you know if you if you could do a dream collaboration with somebody who would it be uh, i would say i mean like like calyx and tv you know like together or either one of them like that would be amazing um yeah that'd be that'd be dope yeah they've 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 been around a quite a long time doing that sound as well haven't they they've been very consistent never kind of dropped off as well so yeah love yeah. that sound what about um what about remixes if you could remix one track out there if you had to pick one it doesn't have to be the track <laughs> but if you could remix a track that maybe you wouldn't even dream of thinking getting older what would it be Ugh. i uh i don't even i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah i can't even think of one right now drum and bass producers and anybody else you're rating at the moment like i said you you've got a few dj sets here and there what what producers are you rating at the moment yeah i would say there's a lot of there's a lot of drum and bass that's exciting me right now and there's a lot of like new names to me that i've never heard and you know like it's it's great it's a i've been really happy with the state of things like outside you know outside of what i'm doing but like i'd say like people like trex and tige and able um objective molecular um theoretical and staka and like Double shift. Okay, some so, US names there as well, then, isn't there? So quite a few. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I'd say those are some big names. I've been kind of like picking up a lot of their tracks and feeling like their their sound that they've been doing. Yeah, there's Excellent. there's a lot of people. Yeah. Any any up and comers from Europe, the UK that you're listening to at the moment? You're picking up on. Mm hmm. I don't know if you'd consider them up and coming or not, but like Sola, always into them and what they're doing. They're doing a great job. Yeah um they're pretty established so uh yeah but i mean they're 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 great i love following them
Ashley mentioned solar uh, and theft audio. Um, obviously, those guys, you seem to be quite heavily involved with those. What What is the connection there? How did you get to working with solar and those boys? Um, basically, yeah. so I, it started uh, basically just, you know, sending them demos and eventually uh, they liked some stuff and we just started communicating about a release and um, I got on one of their uh, compilations and then uh, from there we started to work toward a, a release and actually I started to, you know, just creating a lot of tracks and just sending them a lot of them and we eventually were like, let's do an EP and then I think I, I think I eventually asked them to do uh, like, hey, let's just do an LP and like eventually doing an album with them or I did an album with them last year and, uh, you know, just a lot of communication back and forth about that, you know, uh, and they just, it's it's the same thing with them, kind of like how we talk about Mike, you know, it's just, I feel like I could relate and felt really comfortable with them. And they're, they're extremely professional too. And they're just really friendly and like really helping. And like, you know, they're there for everyone. You know what I mean? Like, it's just great. So they're, they're a great bunch of guys over there. Yeah, they definitely come off as, you know, they, they really do care about everything they're doing at the moment, don't they? I noticed a couple of interviews, those boys, and they're very consistent with their releases as well very cool artwork very good tracks as well high quality they're they're definitely causing some aren't they yeah absolutely have you got some music forthcoming with those guys as well is there something else in the pipeline yeah actually i believe don't quote me but i believe it's april uh i have a uh ep coming out with them for four track ep brilliant so, yeah, yeah look forward to hearing that then are the promos out for that have people been playing this yet or no i don't think so i i didn't i typically when i get my typically my tracks i don't uh you know i just send them out to labels and stuff just to kind of keep them fresh i don't send them out to anyone else really i guess at this point but um until they get signed and then you know the promos go up uh, another label i noticed in some of your early esca releases you uh you released on play me too american label and for us in the uk play me too is is kind of like well, it's a kind of like a big label name in in the USA. So when you when you obviously got in with those guys, tell me a little bit about that and how that came about. I mean, do you do you sort do you see those guys as quite a big label over there, or are they quite an up and coming label to to the US market? No, they're. I mean, yeah, they're definitely a big label over here for sure. Yeah, um, it seems. Yeah, I mean, they're they're you know they're big in drum and bass and also dubstep. It seems like recently they've kind of maybe move back more into more drum and bass than the other stuff possibly. But yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of years ago, I sent them out a couple demos and um, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I was honestly like, you know, kind of blown away is like surprised, like that they liked it and wanted to put it out. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hard on my own stuff. So I, I mean, I don't feel like it was to the level at that point, but you know, I was grateful that they put it out and, and people seem to kind of like it so that was cool <laughs> good stuff yeah it's uh like i said for us over in the uk it's one of those big american labels that we always you know notice and things like that so i didn't notice it on your back catalog but uh yeah <clears throat> so let's get into some of the gigs uh, you talked about some early events earlier on in the show um tell me about some of those promoters that you played for back in the day um, so actually I was, uh, let's see, I was involved with a group and we, we, we threw a night, uh, and it was called rhythm method, which it was a monthly. 
Um, so, and basically we used to bring a lot of names, uh, like basically like Black Sun Empire, um, Echo, if you remember him, he was from San Francisco, but Concord Don, um, let's see here, uh, Shimon, Spirit, Silver, um, like all sorts, like back in the day, like we used to like bring a lot of those type of people out, Silent Witness, Break, and Squire, um, you know, Gridlock lived in the area, so he would play a lot, Evil 10, we used to bring them out a lot, um, but yeah, we used to throw, throw some monthly and do that. And then, uh, basically, uh, there was a, a, a production company or whatever you call it called skills and they would throw like really big shows. I'm, I'm sure Cloudscaper probably played a lot of those, um, that we had talked about, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like those would be crazy, like lineups where, you know, like this one, the upbeats, uh, or I don't know if you remember Gein, you remember Gein? Yeah. Yeah. He's just started, um, collaborating with some recent stuff. I oh, believe Hunter Gein has, yeah, yeah. 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 He's back. That's cool to hear. I like Vicious Circle and like we've, you know, even Marcus Intellects and stuff like that. So, I mean, they brought a, quite a few people out back in the day, um, those mid-2000s. But, uh, yeah, I was lucky to be able to play, you know, doing some, you know, opening sets and stuff for those big shows back then. It was great. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. And what did you say some of those were your own events that you were doing as well, were they? Yeah, I was um, basically the guy that I was talking about that I worked in the record shop. Um, basically him and I uh, were, and, and some other people, actually, it was a group of us. We throw uh, that, that night called the rhythm method. Um, but yeah, that's where we would, uh, bring all the people out. Um, yeah, the skills was a different company. And then basically, you know, I'd play, play for different people around at different clubs and stuff in San Francisco, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the week and stuff like that. And what about, uh, like post COVID obviously mainly last year, uh, did you have many gigs last year play playing out? No, well, so basically, uh, it was like 20, 2020, uh, was the, actually the last gig that I like took. And that was at a meow wolf. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, that, but it was up in Santa Fe. Um, but I played that and then that was, that's actually been my last show since then COVID happened. And then, so, but, and at the moment I'm, I'm currently not uh, taking any shows probably until this, till this summer, um, just been taking extra cautious and, yeah, so then hopefully this summer I'll start playing out um, and start hitting up some shows. I've had some, uh, quite a few people hitting me up uh, in different states and stuff, and I've unfortunately been, you know, just letting talking to them and explaining my situation that you know will you know work later in the year and stuff. So, yeah, speaking of obviously the the lockdown and COVID and things like, some producers it, it's been really fifty fifty. I know some that. You know that obviously thrived with gigs they you know it really affected them badly because they weren't going out and doing that whereas other producers they got stuck into the studio and they think they had the probably most productive two years they've ever had you know for for you right. wh wh where do you see with that we do you feel you were productive during that time because you had that more spare time or did you get a bit of a negative effect from it 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 was all the same for me to be honest like i you know i've just been going like you know, full steam ahead. So like, you know, throughout all the years going back. So like, no matter what I'm doing, so it's, it didn't really affect me in that way. But I mean, I, I have, I have a day job. I do like, you know, like computer stuff. So it's like, I, I have my, you know, that's my income. So I don't have to, I didn't have to stress like a lot of people did. So, yeah. uh, you know, fortunately it's, so it kind of probably had a different, you know, takes a different role and effect on different people when they are affected that way so yeah how, how long have you been in uh, albuquerque then new mexico when did you move there 
it's been about, I think about four years now. It's about 20, 2018, I believe it was. I moved out here. Has there been, is there any drum and bass scene there at all? Have you had any gigs there as well or? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is it's i mean it doesn't seem to be a lot but it seems to be picking up again uh more or less recently i think seem to be picking up more and actually i've had some people even reach out to me about playing some shows and just showing some support and stuff like that so that's been great um so yeah i mean there's i've, I've been seeing some stuff going on which is really nice and you know i'll make it out to there pretty soon here has albuquerque brought any big names over do you know from the uk any notable names or anything like that <sighs> Since I've been here from the UK, I can't think of any. Uh, I, I've been seeing some. I've been seeing some bigger names from the US, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, as of recently, I haven't noticed, and if, and there could be. I just may not have seen it. So, yeah, for for us in the UK, if, if you say Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's only one thing that comes to mind, and that's Breaking Bad. <laughs> so what? What? You could obviously talk a bit about the crack scene there, I suppose, and things like that. But uh, I, guess, I guess you get a lot of ribbing, don't you, from UK people when you you mention you live there? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. It's it's nice <laughs> to actually have something that people like have heard of and stuff, you know, and can like relate to rather than when I lived in like Minnesota, where it's like you know not a whole lot goes there mm. on there, not in the past really, but like. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think the most famous person I know who lives there is John Jones, the UFC fighter. Oh yeah, yep, and I yep. think I think it ends there because obviously there's a big, there's a big, um, there's a big gym there, isn't there? A UFC kind of fighters gym. That, yeah, Phil Jackson, yeah. I believe Jackson and Winkle John, MMA gym. I'm not sure. Uh, that's that's where he used to train John Jones anyway. So I'm a big yeah. UFC fan. So <laughs> that's that's another name for me with it. Okay, so. Uh, Obviously, just keeping on with the gigs. Um, have you have you played outside the USA? Have you done any traveling with the gigs outside of the country? Yeah, actually, it was it was right off the bat um, when I uh, you know got started back in uh, it's about two thousand one. Um, well, like like I had mentioned, you know, we played some big shows in Wisconsin. Like when I say we, I you know I, I used to play out with another guy a lot, but um, so basically. Uh, we got booked at a big show and then these guys from france also were booked at the show and they saw us played and they were really happy with it and they throw shows in france and so basically it was in 2001 they booked us um but that was the year i moved to san francisco so i turned it down and my buddy went out there but then the following year and they threw that big show again and i i took the booking that next year and went to france and there was about we played that main show and then there was uh uh like like two two or three other shows that we played that were a little bit smaller while we were out there um and do you remember where it was in france ren ren, ren france oh. yeah r-e-n-n-e-s -N -N -E ren um oh. area. was yeah. it just you or any any other headliners from around the world or it was you know in it it was kind of on that that break course scene um let's see here i i'm not sure if uh let's see here like door yeah that's a you might have read dan dormouse dormouse yeah ever, yeah, yeah. Dormouse. yeah so he you know hardcore uh noise creator basic dj rupture yeah i've got uh, some got some dormouse vinyls just down there basically yeah yeah so rotator uh, oh yeah. oh wow i love rotator you, oh that's who we that's that's whose show it is that's who oh, wow. that's who we 
that's who we I went and stayed with out there. Yeah, that's who booked us. That's who played the show in uh, in in uh, in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, so those those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'd I'd say like around. 2007 to 2010 11 that's when i was listening to some of the rotator stuff and that was like a crossover with the hard crossbreed drum and bass and break chord and things like that as well peace off you yeah peace off records. Yep. what a label yep. what an amazing yep. record label yep. that was yeah they yep. still going do they release still i have it i he, i forget the name of it. he's 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 had a, co a couple different labels uh and i think he's still doing some of it i've kind of lost touch with some of that too because yeah but i yeah yeah it's really I'm so, break. so glad yeah. you mentioned that i'm gonna uh i think i'm gonna pull out all my old piece off stuff and i'm gonna have to yeah. i'm gonna have to do a mix or something now that's that's, that's really, actually yeah, love that label yeah that's actually some of the few vinyl i have left is some of that stuff yeah yeah i think i've got it all on digital i've got a good good chunk of vinyl for it but i've got most of that on digital like but yeah what a label i wouldn't does he still make stuff under any aliases or anything like that she's had a lot of different labels that i remember uh but i heard a lot of different uh names and stuff but like i i don't know exactly i i've, I've really lost touch with that so yeah over the years i should i should look see what's going on Ah, <laughs> oh, well there you go yeah and it's definitely brought that name back to me again so i'm gonna be uh, yeah, i'm gonna be looking that up now definitely this weekend so with your gigs then and what you've done obviously we're talking about a lot of club nights have you played any any festivals or anything like that on a big scale ones or anything um as far as big scale i guess it would have been that um that what i what i mentioned about skills um they used to throw shows like in the bill graham auditorium uh in i don't know if it's still called that it probably is but like in san francisco but it's a massive you know it's a massive place to where i think they would be like ten thousand people i believe it was like ten thousand people indoor rave type thing and then for like blocks and blocks in every direction it'd be people like lined up trying to get in couldn't get in type thing but yeah i guess that was probably some of the biggest i played at would be that but like the drum and bass room would always be smaller so obviously yeah there's not ten thousand people in the drum and bass room <laughs> given the choice do you think you'd prefer the the big festival stage where it's just a sea of people or do you prefer the intimate clubs where you see people right up front while you're playing what what would you say your preference is with that i really like it both i really like it both and i think that's kind of been a benefit for me throughout my time it's just like I, i've always liked playing clubs i've always liked playing raves and it's just like they both have their own benefits and they both are different you know got a bit different crowds and stuff but like or festivals you know like yeah i like it all like if, if there's people into it and listening and dancing then then i like it so did you see any major differences when you went to france with obviously the the crowd the rave there and say a u.s crowd or anything like that oh uh, yeah i mean i guess like as far yeah i mean like it was like that hardcore sound you know like hardcore basically was a lot more uh in aggressive sound stuff was a lot more i seemed to be uh you say more uh people are more used to it i guess you know what i mean where like when i lived out in san francisco it'd be it was hard pushing an aggressive sound i would say like a lot of times especially in clubs and stuff but i mean some of it had to do with just being a small club you know i guess but at points but yeah i mean yeah i think um one thing that i found playing in the usa like i've been on a few tours playing across america and one thing that's always stood out to me at drum and bass nights in america is not a lot of people dance <laughs> this is a very common thing that blows my mind that they they take it in more 
pay attention different raves different things but when it comes to like drum and bass in the uk and drum and bass in the usa a lot of people are more listening than they are like say going mad and dancing and things like that have you have you noticed that <laughs> i guess back from back that yeah I, I would say like yeah like i would say like raves or festivals you tend to see more people dancing and being into it and, and actually just letting loose and being crazy you know and then clubs you tend to see more people just trying to play cool i guess or just being cool and you know but yeah it, it varies i mean i you know some clubs you do see like it'll be everyone's dancing but I, I know what you mean back a long time ago i i did see a lot more of that too just not in the club scene people wouldn't dance so much but they'd be into it they'd be listening to it they'd be mm -hmm. right up at the decks even you know yeah. standing there like yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've been guilty of that myself back then. So, but like, yeah, yeah. The um over here, you call it the chin stroker. Like you get it at yeah. break oh, yeah. nights. Hmm, hmm. Listening to them, listening rather than dancing and enjoying the yeah. music. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I was probably one of the original original ones like that because like i said i didn't start out like going to raves and stuff i just started out playing so like when i would play and then i'd get done i'd go see someone else and i'd just be up there watching not trying to be in that sense you know of a, you know trying to judge them or anything i'm just more like okay like what's what are other people doing you know how are they doing this so yeah. <laughs> listen brett thank you for your time with this really appreciate it mate um yeah absolutely loving the dirt box release honest to god like i said as soon as i started playing it it's really worked its way into like easily all three tracks are some of the top ones in my sets at the minute and uh like we said we've got the noise complaint release that'll be due on dirt box this year we do have another track obviously in the pipeline we're keeping that a secret for now but that'll be coming as well um anything else you want to promote before i let you go anything you want to let people know about mm -hmm. No, I guess not at the moment. Just, you know, no, I guess not at the moment. I can't think of anything. No worries. No worries. Well, I'm sure we'll be seeing a new release uh, in a couple of weeks. I think it was, you said, wasn't it? On the 27th, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, we got something up yep, on the 27th. That'll be my next one. Excellent. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that anyway. But yeah, thanks, mate. Enjoy your Friday afternoon. Hope I've not taken away too much of your time. And uh, yeah, I'll catch up with you over the weekend. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Take thanks, care. Mate. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, you can find all the Dirtbox releases on all our social medias, just at Dirtbox Recordings, uh, over on Twitter, over on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening.